Hello and welcome to the podcast, a positive conversation about pets and the people who love them. I am your co-host, Jean. And I'm your co-host, Karen. And Karen, we have a a great guest today uh, who I want you to go ahead and introduce. I'm thrilled to introduce Chris Gabriel, who is one of my very favorite people. His natural pet food store, Nature's Nibbles, is conveniently located at the end of my block. Well, so, how about that? You guys yes, are neighbors. We're neighbors. I'm a customer, friends, and a big fan. And Chris and his wife, Anne, actually started Nature's Nibbles. Chris, what was it? Is it 20 years ago? We have been officially in business for 16 years, and we've been in Delray for 15 come this September. So one of the very first natural pet food stores in the Washington, D.C. area. And I've learned so much about pet nutrition from Chris, who is really a student on the issue. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about dog food, what you should be feeding your dog, what you should not be feeding your dog. But really, Chris, I want to know how you and Anne are doing with the pandemic as an independent business. Is the neighborhood supporting you? Is the community supporting you? How are you riding out this horrible virus? Well, we're still alive. We felt it was best to shut down the store to foot traffic. And we did curbside and we added a day of delivery. We deliver on Saturdays. We added Wednesday as an extra day to deliver. And it was a challenge at first, but like anything, you get used to it and get in the swing of it. And um, we started, uh, you know, it started working pretty well. We did lose some sales. Our sales were down but not enough to get the uh, city of Alexandria grant, which I guess is a good thing because, you know, we didn't lose as much as a lot of people and we're still in business. And I know a lot of businesses have gone out of business. So, uh, you know, we are lucky in that way, but I think that the community really, really helped us out. I think they just, uh, I guess because we've been around so long and, and uh, they trust my advice, it really uh, helped keep the customers there I think a lot, a part of it, not a lot, a part, maybe 50% of it were new customers um, only because they couldn't get their food off of the Amazons and the Chewies because everybody was hoarding food and we were the only ones that still had food. So they were coming. That's interesting. Yeah. So they were coming to me and, you know, a lot of the companies that I carry are still, you know, owned by the same people are still family owned and they they grew with the help of us mom and pop brick and mortars to small businesses. So they, they understand that. And so they didn't allow the distributors to hoard the food. They let it out just like a normal day. So the manufacturers could continue to, to make it um, knowing that there was such a, a big demand for it. They stepped up their production and I heard that the Amazons and the Chewies and the big box stores we're going to these distributors and saying, you know, hey, we'll pay extra, whatever, whatever, whatever. There was a distributor that allowed that, but my other two distributors, my, my two other major distributors didn't allow it. So we actually had food continuously. There was some products that were out, but it wasn't as bad as the online stores. So what a time we, re- have, well, we have lived through, right? I'm glad no that you guys kidding. are still in business, Chris. My goodness. Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's been It's been tough for everyone in different ways. And 
to be self-employed and Karen and I are both self-employed as well. It's can be uniquely challenging. Go back up a little bit for us though and describe your business. I mean, we know it so well because we do live in the neighborhood where, where one of your stores is, but describe it to us. What, what, what do your customers see when they, when they come to your storefront? What's inside? The store in Delray uh, is just pet food. So um, all natural, top quality, dry, canned, the raw foods, the all natural chews and treats, supplements, don't have many, if any, toys, very small collection of collars and leashes. I'm, I'm concentrating on nutrition and making sure that our dogs and cats are getting the best top quality foods that their owners can afford, really. I mean, that's the main reason we have dry food because it's economical. It helps us feed our larger animals if we have multiple animals. But even people with their 200-pound dogs that come in, you know, I tell them that it's very important to get at least 50% of the meal as a fresh alternative. And when I mean fresh, I mean canned or raw or even their own fresh proteins and fats. And why uh, is this, too. this is a passion issue for you, right? This is something you came into. You didn't grow up to feed dogs, right? Like you, you probably had a different career and then you, you pivoted into this. Yeah. So I had a dog, Gypsy. She was a 90 pound shepherd lab. She was a wonderful dog. She was my partner for 13 years. And about halfway through her life, I was going, how life changes. So I was moving a lot. And one of the places that I was moving, I couldn't have a dog. So a friend uh, held on to her for about six months. Well, that's right about the time where she started coincidentally developing allergies to the food that I was feeding. And it was not just itching and scratching. It was literally licking her paws until they bled. She would walk around the house moping. Her face would always be droopy and she was just miserable. And I knew it and I felt bad. So you go to the vet and the vet says, oh, well, it's this, so let's put them on this. And it's some quote-unquote prescription foods. Same exact ingredients that I was feeding, so I didn't understand how that was going to help. But, of course, we trust our doctors and our vets. Well, that didn't help. It actually made it worse. So I did a little research. I read a book by Ann Martin called The Food That Our Pets Die For. And the more I read of that book, the more I was appalled about what I was feeding my animal. So I started really going down the rabbit hole of pet nutrition. And once I got her off of the commercial brand foods onto an all natural brand foods, it started to improve. Then I found out the fresher I got when I, and she's 90 pounds and feeding raw to a 90 pound dog can <laughs> really <laughs> take a burden Bankrupt, on your wallet. Bankrupt you? Yes, but uh, it worked. She stopped itching and scratching. Her paws healed up. And she was a happier, healthier dog. And I realized that I was investing in my dog's health and not giving all the money to the vet. So it was definitely worth every penny. So when I saw the result of what the food was doing, and I was getting it from a, a smaller all-natural pet food store in Arlington that were friends of ours, they were closing down. And that's when Ann and I decided, you know, this is something that we could probably do as a part-time venture just to, you know, out of our house and, and deliver. We're not going to have a brick and mortar. So that's what we did. I got a relationship with all the distributors that they had. And the friend was nice enough just to email all of her customers, which is about a 300 customers and said, we're closing down. My friend, Chris and Ann are, are opening up Nature's Nibbles and you know, you need to go to them, blah, blah, blah. So there was a nice little boost. It was a nice start that lasted for about six months. And then my living room in a very small cracker box house in Arlington was filling up with pet food. And it, it looked like a pet food store when you walked in my front door. So that's when we decided it was time to start looking for a brick and mortar store. 
And coincidentally, we were over at the Taqueria Poblano having, you know, our margaritas and food. And uh, one of the, re- the local realtors stopped over at the table and told us that the spot that we are in, still in today um, was for lease. So I ran down a couple blocks. I got their number and made arrangements. And within literally within two weeks, we were in, we were moving into the store. And that was back in 2006. And we've just grown and grown and grown ever since. And we started small. And our whole philosophy was, you know, let's find uh, and research foods that are going to be, you know, top quality, family owned, and just start there. And then throughout the years, people would come in, hey, do you sell this food or do you sell that? And I would research the company. And if they passed our standards, we would bring whatever they wanted in and then we'd bring a little bit more in. And um, that's basically 50% of the store is other people's recommendations saying, hey, you should carry this or can you carry this or can you get this? And I still do that standards today. to us, Chris. You have you have uh, guidelines and standards that uh, around what you you will or won't carry. What? How did that develop? Yeah, sure. So when people ask me, you know, what the difference between commercial brand and all natural are, you know, so commercial brands have byproducts, which means it's everything but the meat and the bones and the organs. And so they throw wheat and soy in there. Wheat and soy are protein sources, but unfortunately, those are allergens. They dry out the skin, excessive shedding, itching. Wheat and soy is not all that good for us either. And then there's corn. And then there's the nutrients are, are not plant-based. They're synthetic. And these big companies for Purina and Science Dye and, and, uh, and Royal Canin, and these, you know, they, they make billions of dollars off of us selling us the lowest quality ingredients that they possibly can get their hands on, at least what they can get away with. So I look for, number one, companies that have been, are still owned by the same people. A lot of these companies have been around since the turn of the century. So I find out you know, who the people are, where they source the materials, you know, if there's a recall, why there's a recall. A lot of time the recalls are very innocent. All of these foods go through batches and sometimes the beginning of the batch or the, the end of the batch has too much or not enough or something. And so they just say, okay, we're having a recall. So it's, it's not deadly. It's just not their quality. And that's what I like about a lot of these companies that I carry. When they do have a recall, it's a voluntary recall because they want to keep their standards up. There are some foods that I was carrying, and this happens all the time now too, that either Procter & Gamble or Purina or Mars bought. And if through my experience, within months, there's a recall and it's a bad recall. It's, you know, some sort of salmonella or something that's going on in the food. So just through my experience, anytime a big conglomerate buys one of the foods that I'm carrying, it goes right out of my store and I find something else. So I, uh, I back my food 100%. I will give you 100% money back guarantee for any reason you have. Even if the product's open, I want you to bring it back so we can discuss what's going on and then give you credit towards something else to try. I try to make people feel confident coming to my store and that they feel if there is something wrong with the food, that they're not discouraged and they go back to their old, the thing that they've known. I really try to keep animals healthy. Simple as that. So I've learned a lot from you, just chatting with you in the store and kind of poking around and asking questions. You've given me a lot of great advice over the years. And I was wondering if maybe you could just share with our listeners some, some of that sage wisdom. I mean, listen, the reality is most people are still going to feed their dog kibble. Sure. I'd like to think that I'm going to feed the dogs raw. It's never going to happen. But, sure. But you've shared with me some ways that I can make that kibble a little healthier. Sure. I mean, you know, again, like I said, it's there for us, but it is nutritional. 
there are lots of things you can do to in increase the, the quality of, of the food that you're feeding with the kibble, you know, adding canned foods in or the best quality that you can buy is the raw, adding the raw in with the kibble or a combination of raw canned in kibble. Also moistening the kibble or wetting the kibble will rehydrate it and get it a little better tasting anyway. And there's a lot of other things that you can put in with the food, fish oils and goat's milk and um, bone broth, uh, stuff like that that's, uh, that'll help boost the quality and the nutrition. I don't want to take us on a, down a rabbit hole here, but what's the deal with goat's milk? Why is this like the hot thing all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, like anything, it's, it's a fad. The, the goat's milk that we sell, is a, it's a raw goat's milk, so it's not pasteurized. So you're getting those natural enzymes and, and, and uh, things that are in the, uh, the milk. And there's also good fats. The one that I sell is come from Primal, uh, and it's got a turmeric and ginger. So the ginger is going to help with the digestion. And, of course, turmeric, turmeric have, ha helps with uh, inflammation and stuff like that. Also helps with the digestion. So, and it's tasty. They love it. Uh, a lot of dogs and cats love it. But what does just it good. do? Is it just just like an immunity booster or is it a probiotic? Like what, what does goat's milk do? I get the turmeric as an anti-inflammatory. I'm a huge turmeric fan, but what's the benefit there of the goat's uh, milk? Goat's milk basically has a higher fat and protein content than milk, uh, than, you know, cows or, or sheep. And uh, it, uh, again, you know, helps with the digestion and, um, and also it can uh, help uh, with animals that have any um, intolerance to lactose, slow in sugar. Interesting. So it does help with the digestion. What do you recommend to our listeners, Chris, who, who are really interested? I mean, people are very interested in dog food and it, and it can be a controversial subject, actually. What do, you, what do you recommend for people who want to be more informed on what their dog eats? What is good dog nutrition? What are the different sides of this debate? What do you recommend? I recommend always as fresh as you can make the food and making it yourself is totally possible. It is labor intensive. It does take up space in your freezer and your refrigerator but is the top quality stuff that you can give any animal. It's the freshest. It's the cleanest. You can control everything in the diet, especially if you have a dog or a cat that are allergic to certain proteins or certain ingredients that are like in all pet foods, <laughs> you know? you, like tomato pumice for some reason is in a whole bunch of pet food and some dogs and cats just can't handle that. So making it yourself is the best that you can ever do for any mammal. The second best would be the raw. When I, when I talk about raw, people always ask me, well, do I cook it? And like, well, no, that would be defeating the purpose of the raw. These companies are really good. And the ones that I carry put their fowl through the high pressure pasteurization because fowl, turkeys and chickens and ducks, they carry that, those pathogens on the outside of their bodies. And that's really to protect us because we're handling their food. Their intestines are a lot shorter than ours. So it's very rare that a dog or a cat's going to contract a salmonella or E. coli or anything like that. It just really goes, it goes through their system really quickly. But then again, if you're picking up their poop, there's also a chance of you getting it that way. So it's really there for our protection as fresh as you possibly can. And then it comes down to you know, economy. How much you can you afford? I always try to, to explain people that, yeah, go ahead, feed kibble. It's fine. But you're going to find the fresher you, you make the food, the healthier your dog or cat's going to be, the less you're going to spend on band-aids to try to fix something that you could fix at the source. And of course, you're going to save money at the vet. So not only are you going to have uh, healthy pets, but you're also going to save money in the long run. Also, the fresh proteins and fats in the fresh foods fill your animal up and keep your animal feeling full longer. 
So they tend to eat what they need to eat and they won't overeat and overeating can cause loose stool and diarrhea and they'll maintain a good weight all throughout their lives. For some reason, all, even the bags, even the dry food that I carry, for some reason, they always tell you to feed almost double the amount you actually need. And when you feed the dog or cat double the amount they actually need and they eat it, that's when you're going to get loose stool and diarrhea. And you're just wasting food because they don't need that much. Well, and obesity. Exactly. Especially with our dogs that have already have hip dysplasia histories or, you know, there are smaller dogs with the, you know, the stubby legs, you know, German shepherds are really bad for that hip dysplasia. So it's very important to keep them, you know, thin and, and svelte and healthy. So I could guess why they're recommending you feed double on the bag. <laughs> well, Go through the I bag always, faster. I always try to tell, I always try to be nice and try to tell people well, they're just trying to make sure that you don't underfeed. Which, right. you know, I mean, if you own a dog or a cat, it's, it's a lot easier to overfeed <laughs> than it is to underfeed. Having been at, with Nature's Nibbles for 16 years, what trends have you seen come and go? I mean, are there things when you open that you learned, oh my gosh, this no longer makes sense? Are there yes. things that are tried and true that haven't changed at all? Yes. Well, the tried and true, again, and I can't reiterate the fresh, fresh, fresh. And that's what I keep telling you when you ask me for advice, Karen, is, you know, you always know what I should do for an older dog or for a dog like that, you know, yeah. fresh food is always the best. The things that I've seen, these fads go around or these people say, oh, well, my friends told me or my vet told me, you know, the grain situation, whether it's grain or grain free is best. Grain does not determine quality of a food unless it's coarse corn or wheat and soy. The grains that are in all natural foods are brown rices, oatmeal, barleys. Those are good digestible grains. Technically, if they're out by themselves in the wild killing an animal, that animal is probably eating grasses or grains. So they're getting it indirectly and probably partially digested, but they're not getting it every day. So it's kind of creepy and interesting. Yeah. But there was a big controversy about grain free foods. And I'm sure you heard about the whole DCM controversy about having grain-free foods or feeding grain-free foods to certain animals, uh, certain breeds of dogs. Uh, we're giving them heart problems, and that's what right. the DCM, DCM is. Well, that's all nonsense. I went down the rabbit hole again, and the research that was done was not done very well. I still can't find any data that says anything about, proves anything. Just recently, they came out, I forgot who it was, came out and basically disproved everything that this research found. Yeah, that was but, within the past few weeks. Yes, and, and I'm putting my quotes up as, you know. Your air, <laughs> I see the air my quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> yep, yeah, I see the air quotes. So my whole point, when, and even in the whole depths of, of the whole DCM debacle, I was telling people, don't just rely on dry food. Again, fresh, 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 and don't just feed grain-free or grain food. Feed them both, unless you have a grain allergy. Then you don't have a choice but you're going to find a healthier animal by feeding them both dry food and a fresh food with it, whether it's got grain or not. How do you know if your dog has food allergies? Being in business for this long, I've noticed that the brown rices, oatmeal, barleys are the, the biggest culprit. Itching, scratching, eye stuff, ear infections, stuff like that. Uh, it can even be digestive. So those, that's the most common allergen. Chicken is the second most common allergen. So I typically tell people if they have a dog that's, or cat that's itching and scratching and they're on a commercial brand food, first let's move them onto an all-natural food with the grains and chicken. Let's see if, if it's just the wheat and soy that's, that's causing the problem. 
If it continues, then I say, okay, now let's start with something that does not have any grain, but still has chicken. Typically, 95% of the time, that's the problem. And then there are the 5% that it is chicken. And chicken can cause different things, different problems. But just it's basically an elimination diet, just taking things out. My dog, the Gypsy, back to Gypsy 17, 18 years ago, was allergic to chicken, beef, venison. I can tell you what she could have, take less time. Salmon, rabbit, and turkey was the only thing that I could feed her. Could not feed her dry. Finally, when I found those out and everything worked, I was sold on all natural foods. But throughout the years, I found that the grain is, is usually the, the biggest culprit. Interesting. And brown rice is one of them, huh? It can be. Yep. Yeah. A lot of these foods now are coming out with, uh, they're calling ancient grains. So it's a yeah, quinoa, yeah. quinoa uh, m- uh, millet, and sour gum. Just uh, like humans. Exactly. Different from, you know, your typical grains that are in the, the, the pet foods. That seems to help as well. That is so interesting. Yeah, so the, we feed a combination of wet and kibble. But when they get kibble, I'll put an egg in it, or it always has fish oil, or some Great. green beans, or uh, blueberries. They love blueberries. Great antioxidant. Um, yep, so there's always something in the kibble. Good. Good. In order for Boomer to eat the green beans, they have to have the fish oil on them. <laughs> Poppy you know, eats everything. I try, to, I try to speak to people like I would want someone to talk to me about what I'm feeding my animal. I don't try to shame somebody into eating or not feeding something because that's, that's counterproductive. I really try to say, you know, look, you've got this dog, and I don't talk about breeds uh, or anything like that. I talk about their specific animal. You've got a dog that's this old, it's this many pounds. What are you feeding? How much are you feeding a day? Shoes, what are you cleaning your floors and your toilets with? Because that can, you know, sometimes these toxic cleaners can, can cause stomach problems. So I really go in depth of what this animal gets and ingests every day. And so I really try to find the source of the problem. 99% of the time, it, it can be food related. And I can fix things with just by changing a diet or eliminating a rawhide or eliminating a greenie or eliminating the, the, the nyla bones or something like that, that isn't all natural. I saw my dog once at a, at a friend's house. I didn't realize that they used one of those things in their toilets that turns the water blue. Oh no. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden yeah. I heard the sound of my dog drinking water and I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Got to be careful with the big dogs. They like to drink out of toilets. <laughs> they do. It's the perfect height. It's nice and cool. I can't right? imagine it's that it could have. Yeah. fresh, cool water. It's a dog water fountain. I mean, I don't know why right. it smelled acceptable to to ingest. That's kind of mystifies me. Was she okay? Me, yeah, she was okay. Oh my, was it Daisy? It was Daisy. Oh no, was her, she, was her mouth blue? She, no, she's, she's my thirsty dog. I caught her pretty Perfect quick. Daisy. Oh, hilarious. Chris, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I, I could ask you questions and talk to you all day. I mean, you're such... Well, I'm always knowledge. I tell all my customers I'm always available. (laughs) And you are always available. I mean, I send so many people to you. um, I appreciate that, Karen. Because they always have food questions. And I know that you will give them the right advice and you you will never steer them wrong. Gene, for instance, the young woman that adopted the senior Aussie Ronnie. Mm -hmm. Ronnie is underweight. Um he, he needs to gain between 10 and 15 pounds. That's how underweight he was. Oh, my. And the first person that I contacted was Chris, 
who said fresh, fresh, fresh. Mm-hmm. So um, I shared that with her. Lucky and Ronnie. Lucky Ronnie. He hit he hit the jackpot. That sweet sweet dog. But yeah, so I'm always pinging Chris for our adopters. One of the reason, main reasons I say fresh, fresh, fresh is our cat owners. You know, too many people rely on dry food. And these animals are true carnivores. And they get 90% plus of their moisture through the blood of their kill. So they need either canned or raw as a major part of their diet. Yeah, it's really um, difficult. It's really difficult to keep a cat hydrated, right? I mean, they don't yeah. really, there's all yeah, kinds and, of like and, tricks and stuff. They don't, they don't drink water as readily as the dogs do. They don't drink standing water. Yes, exactly. Um, a lot of people will get the fountains, which will help, but uh, their bodies are used to absorbing that moisture through, um, you know, the blood or the meat. Karen, are you a cat? Cats. What am I a cat? I, I, you know, I want to keep you hydrated. <laughs> uh, I, I, I say hydrated with LaCroix. Oh, excellent um, choice. <laughs> but once again, creepy yet interesting, Chris. Well, you uh, know, nature cats, is lit, as, they, as yeah, our kids say. <laughs> our cats have to have food with a lot of gravy in it. Yeah. Oh, and we yeah. we limit their dry food because it messes them up. But that's yeah, I, I have TMI. Got, I've got pate, chunky gravy, minced, cubed, sliced. If I don't have it, your cat doesn't need it. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are making me hungry. Chris... <laughs> I don't know if you know this about our show, but we like to end on a positive note by giving what we call a pause up to something that we've seen in the in the pet world that we think is good and makes us happy or makes us hopeful. We used to do know. pause down too, but we decided there was enough enough negativity with this pandemic. Yeah. So we like yeah, yeah. to focus on the positive. Okay, so here's my pause up. I'm very excited about my pause up because it's really how pause go started and that was to really emphasize the health benefits of dogs on humans and there was a study that was recently published in the UK Jean you usually do all the studies so i've got one on you this time oh good go for it so this study that was published in the UK said that dog owners are four times more likely than other people to meet today's physical activity guidelines. Cool. Something that we know because we walk our dogs all the time. And we count our steps. We count our steps. We're very focused on our steps. But now we've got some researchers in the UK that said it's just not anecdotal. It's not just Karen and Jean, but it's all (laughs) dog owners that are four times more likely than other people they are so good for our hearts in, right? in both ways, right? Like our emotional hearts and our physical hearts. That's yep. right. Our physical and mental health. So pause up to our dogs, keeping us healthy. I guess I'm going to add on to that. And this is my pause up. I consider my dogs, my emotional support. And because, you know, not only are we going through a pandemic and I own two businesses that have been affected by this pandemic, it's nice to come home and not only get greeted with wagging tails, but I have a routine. When I come into the door, I drop everything and I get into my easy chair and they both jump in my lap and they get belly and chest rubs and I get licks and it's very therapeutic. That's pause a great up. pause up. Yep. Pause up to how our dogs are helping us through a tough time. Strongly they really are. Agree, Chris, thank you for they sharing really that. They really are. 
Chris, you're the best. Thank you so much oh. for chatting with us. And thanks Thank you for both. keeping our dogs healthy. Of course, of course. I, it's my pleasure, and I love doing it. I feel satisfied every single day at this job because I have people coming to me all the time telling me how wonderful I am. And, <laughs> <laughs> and gosh darn it, people like you. People people when our, like well, you. when our dogs feel good, we feel good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I just, you know, just really quick before we end, I just remember, you know, I look back on those days when my dog felt really bad. I felt horrible. I felt like a horrible dog owner and a horrible person. Like I couldn't do anything. I felt helpless until I finally found out what was going on. And I don't want people to feel the way that I felt. I want them to feel the way I feel now about dogs. Keep them healthy and you feel good. They feel good. And it's just a, it's just a good thing all around. Yes, it is. Paul's up message, to you. Chris. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jean. Thank you, Thank Karen. Thank you, Jean. A, Thank you, Karen. A, yeah, guys, Thank what a great Claude. conversation. Thank you, Claude Jennings, our producer. Um, this has been a great episode. We really look forward to our listeners tuning in, uh, quote unquote, tuning in next time, clicking through next time for our next show. And Chris, we'd love to have you back again. You were a great guest. Yeah, let's just focus on goat's milk next time. Yeah, yeah, just I'm- all goat's milk show. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm Let always available. Figure it out. <laughs> all right, guys, have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.